Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Casey Likes. Welcome to the Theater Podcast with Alan Seals. Hey everyone, welcome to an all new episode of the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest is none other than Marty McFly himself, Casey Likes, of course, and Back to the Future, the musical on Broadway. Something I can't wait for you to hear in this episode is uh, what went through his head, what, what he was feeling when the closing notice for Almost Famous came through, which of course was his Broadway debut and didn't last as long as everyone hoped it would. And he... he strangely felt a lot of pressure um, after reading positive reviews about the show because he was feeling the pressure of having to maintain that success and then when the closing notice came it was sort of like oh yeah this isn't about me it's a business I am just going to take time for myself and recoup and uh, recenter and the way that the situation presented itself for him to leave Almost Famous and start Back to the Future which almost didn't happen by the way he turned down Back to the Future at first because Almost Famous hadn't announced closing it and there was no way he could have done both at the same time being almost famous at night back to the future rehearsal during the day so of course uh fate has its way and now he is doing his thing can't wait to share this with you find me online on all the socials leave a rating leave a review wherever you're listening and now everybody please enjoy this episode with casey likes another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest is one of Broadway's brightest rising stars, making his Broadway debut as the lead in last season's production of Almost Famous, the musical. His film credits include playing the young Gene Simmons in the Neil Bogart biopic, Spinning Gold, Richie Shepard in the leading role in MGM's feature, Dark Harvest, and the film Everything Must Go, where he portrayed a young Will Ferrell. TV credits include the recent Crypt TV and Facebook Watch series, The Birch, as well as National Geographic's American Blackout, a filmmaker himself. He has won awards for his, for the direction of his films Seriously and How to Romance. And at the age of just a wee 17, he won the ASU Gamage High School Music Theater Award for Best Lead Male and was a finalist in the 2019 Jimmy Awards and can now be seen tearing up the stage as Marty McFly in Broadway's Back to the Future, the musical. Casey Likes, man, welcome to the theater podcast. Alan, thank you for that introduction. I, uh... 
I I love hearing that read back to me. That sounds like I'm really awesome. Thank you so much. That's really great, man. <laughs> and that's all that you've done in the last like six months, of course, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did that last week, actually. Right, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, over a no. Saturday, just a lazy Saturday, just going out <laughs> and winning, winning awards and stuff. No, I, it's funny because uh, the, the credits are like young Gene Simmons, young Will Ferrell, young. So, you know, like yeah. obviously you are a, a young person, but um, go back even farther uh when did you originally even get into performing in the first place and did you originally want to do tv and film or was it always theater and musical theater yeah man great question i i I, it's i started when i was three long story short so um the the joke about us you know doing this last week in six months obviously that makes it makes me laugh it's it's definitely been a long uh, a, a long journey um even though i'm um only 21 now um but yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing it for you know about eighteen years, uh, if I'm doing my math right. Um, and uh, it's been it's been amazing. I when I when I started, I actually I guess I technically started with film because I did a a Goodwill commercial was my first job, and um, that was super fun. And then um, my mom didn't know how I was going to react because I was only like three years old. So wait, it's uh, Goodwill when you were three years old, you were doing the commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So I okay. was, I was literally three, barely could speak, but clearly I, I learned pretty fast because my mom didn't know if I was going to freeze up in front of the camera. And then the camera uh, turned on and, and they said action. And all I was supposed to do was tell a guy off to the side of the camera a, a story with like some dinosaurs and and train sets or whatever. And he goes, uh, and, and after they called cut, um, they said to my mom, can you tell him to not look at the camera and tell the this, this story straight down the barrel? Tell it to the guy. They thought I was going to be more shy than I was. So then after that, I just kept doing it. I did a Subway commercial. So that was, those were my two, uh, my two contacts with film. And then I did uh, a production of um, A Christmas Carol for five years with my mom. And um, that was really fun. So Wait. theater and film all the same time. Okay, okay. I'm going to get back to the Christmas Carol for five years because that's a long time to do a Christmas Carol. But, it is. Uh, uh, three years old. Um, were you? Were you? I mean, at three years old, no one I think has a wherewithal to be like, "That's what I want to do. I want to be that." Like, was, yeah. did your parents um, w- put you in there and just like to see how things were going? Where did that even come from? Yeah, yeah. I I was really lucky to have um, my mom and and grandparents that really um, they really kind of supported. Uh, yeah, uh, most things that I, I did, not even most, I mean, all the things that I, I wanted to do. And they also introduced me to things I didn't know I wanted to do. Um, and uh, and they never forced me into it. My mom was um, on on Broadway in, in Les Miserables. And um, so she, she we had the theater bug in the blood, but she didn't really ever force it on me. She kind of just um, presented auditions and stuff like that and um, camps to me from a young age and just kind of tried to see if I would like it or not. Um, and I did. I just looked up, let's look this up. Stephanie likes, that's your mom. Yeah. Stephanie yeah. likes, hold on. Now I got to look up. Now I got to look up her, her credits. Let's see. IBDB, Stephanie likes. So yeah, Les Mis, look at that. 87. What year was she in it? Cause it ran from 87 to 2003. IBDB never tells you when the person's in it. Ooh, uh, well, that would make it 90, um, mid 90s, somewhere in there. Wow. I wonder um, if I saw her because I, I came for like a high school trip in the, oh, wow. in the 90s 
to see Les wow. Mis. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, my 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 mom came on a high school trip and um, she saw that show and then it was her like dream to just do that show. It wasn't even like, I don't, it wasn't even like, I want to be a Broadway star. It was like, I want to be in Les Miserables. Um, <laughs> specifically, and, that's what she wanted. So literally, and then like within like a few years, she she had done it. She So yeah, I mean, it was it was in the blood and, and she, she double covered Eponine and Cosette. And uh, and yeah, now now it's my favorite show. So, wow, yeah. wow. Well, did you ever did you ever do? Uh, sorry, I'm I'm about to lose my musical theater card. What's the kid's name? Um, oh, Gavroche. Gavroche. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I did. You did you? I, I, I've done the show twice. I did um, Gavroche when I was young at uh, my community theater, um, Grease Paint Youth Theater in um in Arizona, and uh, that was amazing. Um, I. I, the, the the experience was amazing. Um, and then I did it again in high school with my mom directing me um, because she was my um, drama teacher. And um, I played Valjean. That's interesting. That's very cool. Wait, Valjean. You didn't do Galvaro? The second time you did Valjean in high school. Okay. Yeah. 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 So did you, do the, did you do the big fake beard and everything? I, I Did I do a beard? Um, I don't think I did... I, if anything, it was like fake stubble or whatever. But I definitely, I grayed <laughs> I the hair. I did all the old age makeup. Yeah, yeah, I remember using the little stipple brush and putting yeah. it on and be like, look at me, I got facial hair. And then now, yeah, I, now no. it's impossible to keep a clean shaven face. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you hear that, exactly. kids? Don't take it for granted. That's how I am, man. I, I like shaving <laughs> twice a day to keep playing these kids. Oh, man. Okay, so you grew up then in, in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, Chandler, Arizona. Went to Chandler High. It's my alma mater. And yeah, I, I, I love it. Born and raised. There's a friend's joke in there. It was right next to Monica and, uh, and Ross, Arizona as well. Chandler. Okay. See, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know friends <laughs> at all. Isn't that horrifying? Neither do I, but I know it. Like, what are they? Okay. Chandler, Ross, Monica. That's all I got. That's all I got. I was never. Ro uh, Wait, you said Ross. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Someone's gonna. Someone. Half of you viewers just left. By I know. The way. I know. How, I just lost half my fan base. My bad. Uh, so then, at, at what point are you are are you deciding that this is what you want to do permanently? Right. So you you continue growing up, and it's in it sounds like in your family. But at some point, you're like, I either want to do this, or some people who are children of actors are like, this stinks. They're always struggling. They're always stressed. But yet, you yeah. know, the highs don't went outweigh the lows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, so are you, are you, I guess at what point in your life would you realize like, I really want to try this? Oh man. I mean, I just had so many, I had so many moments where it was, it was just a slow climb because when you do it from when you're that young, you want to do it. And then you kind of have to reaffirm yourself like multiple times. And I, it still happens uh, to this day where you just kind of reaffirm you're like, Sh is this exactly what I, I need to be or want to be doing? But I, I will say I, I credit a lot to two things. One thing is that if you want to be an actor, you have to be crazy a little <laughs> bit. Like you have to, you, like there is a craziness level you have to have. The second thing I'm going to credit it with is uh, my family. And my family had both of those things. They were supportive and they were a little crazy. <laughs> so like basically there was a point in high school where um, I'm sorry to all of 
the good students listening to this, but I, d I wasn't doing well in math. And I was in the middle of doing Les Miserables. And I literally looked at my grades one day and I was like, I had missed multiple days of school. I was behind on work because I was so tired from doing Les Mis. Um, and I wanted to rest to make sure that my performance was good because it's not a role you should be singing at 17. Mm, no. And, and so I looked at my grades and I just go, oh man, I really hope this is worth it. I hope I'm doing this for a reason. And, and my parents genuinely around that time were like, don't worry about it. You're never going to need this. You're never going to need calculus. And I go, but what if I do? And they're like, you're not. You're going to be an actor or you're going to be at the time I, I wanted to um, do filmmaking as well. Um, and I still do. But she, they were like, you won't need it for what you're going to do. And I'm like, but what if I can't do what I want to do? And they, they had this kind of crazy uh, confidence in me. And it, 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 you know, that's kind of what you have to have to be an actor. You kind of have to blindly just walk into the fog and hope that you're going to make it out the other side. You know, I, I did end up doing the show. I didn't end up doing super well in math, but uh, that show ended up being the show that got me to the Jimmy Awards, which ended up changing my life. So, um, yeah, that's the, that, those are the, those were, that was one of the moments, one of the many moments that kind of was like, oh, I think maybe I could be able to do this and I won't need calculus. Next time you tell that story, you have to say that when you, you were doing poorly in math and you knew that it wasn't for you when every answer was 24601. <laughs> ah, that's good. <laughs> good. So... Uh, you said the Jimmy Awards changed your life. How so? Um, yeah. So I, I, the Jimmy Awards, if, um, if listeners didn't know, is a, is a high school musical theater competition. It's hosted by the Broadway League, who hosts the Tony Awards. Mm -hmm. And um, it, they call it internally like the Junior Tony Awards, and, uh, which is a, a, a far too prestigiously hilarious name for for what it is it's it, it's amazing it is it is a really really sweet competition and mostly more than a competition it is a week where close to a hundred kids from uh all around the country uh two nominees from every state sometimes there are multiple um programs in each state so it's like two or four nominees from every state come to New York and they get to learn from Broadway professionals for a week. And then at the end of the week, they compete to be best actor and best actress. And yeah, it was, it, it was a huge deal for me growing up. And it was, I always watched the videos and all that stuff and I wanted to go. And, um, and I finally got chosen um, to go by uh, ASU Gamage, which was my regional program. At the time, it was just beginning to, even though it was, I think we were the, ten, we were the 11th year of its existence around that time it was just beginning to bubble with like you would hear stories of like kids are going to the jimmies and they're like getting like noticed by agents or broadway shows or whatever so i went and then at the end of that week we did the competition and i ended up becoming a finalist and then the f i was told that after the after i finaled yeah I, I just started getting a lot of emails um from different shows that wanted me to audition and then um, different agents and yeah it really changed my life and, and one of those those was uh, Almost Famous which ended up being my Broadway debut yeah um, I was just looking up when Andrew Barth Feldman won and that was 2018 yeah. the year before so right I feel before. like his 
his success launching into Dear Evan Hansen before graduating high school was probably mm-hmm. what helped really catapult a lot of everything else since then. I mean, because like even yeah. Renee Rapp too, like the success yeah. that she's found. I'm just, I'm, it's phenomenal. And, and I don't think, I don't think in all seriousness that age makes a damn bit of difference when you're looking at the talent across, mm-hmm. across all this stuff. Because um, being able to perform, being able to sing, you can either, like, you've the it factor, right? You talk about people having the it factor and people who don't have the it factor can't, they don't understand what that is. A- yeah. And it's, I've seen that in children. I've seen it in young adults. I've seen it in the elderly. Like, when you got it, you got it, right? Yeah. And I think, though, the hard part is, and this is often why aside from child labor laws, forget that for a second, um, <laughs> why you cast older people um, as younger, usually like your 20s to play teens or whatnot, because of, of, a, of a work ethic and um, the ability to show up and take it seriously, right? Yeah. So yeah. speaking along those lines then, learning the work ethic, and I think it takes, it takes a special person to find, to have this quality, right? The quality of being talented, but not being kind of a jerk about it. Being able to show up and be like, I'm here to learn. I'm as good as I am and I still want to get better. I w- and being the person that others want to work with the next time is crucial, yeah. crucial. So did that come from your mom? Did that? Did you learn that on set in a, in a show? Yeah, I, I learned that uh, from a lot of people. I mean, definitely from my mom. That, that, that's definitely the first person, of course. It was, it, it was nice because it was like growing up with someone who was in, in the industry they kind of prepare you for the worst. And then you kind of get there and you're like, oh, okay, I'm glad I was prepared for the worst because it's actually not, there's some things that are easier, some things that are harder, of course, nothing can prepare you for. But like, you know, along those lines of of being a good person to work with, like you get taught, you're like growing up, you're like, you have to be kind to work with, you have to, all of those things that you just mentioned. And then you get into the industry and you realize that, there's a few people who haven't been taught that lesson and they're still working. So it actually makes you kind of stick out even more hmm. because you are following by the rules, I guess, you know, um, you know, it's always a shame to kind of see some people like that. Um, I haven't had a lot of run-ins with people like that. I was very lucky with my, my family and, and almost famous and, um, and back to the future has been great as well. And I did a little run with Outsiders as well. And that was a great experience as well. But, you know, it, it's nice that my family prepared me for that. The theaters I worked at growing up, um, Grease Paint, you know, all of them, they, they prepared me for a lot. And Anika Larson, your mom in Almost Famous. Yes. God, I, it's talking about people that you want to work with the next time. She's, a, she's amazing. One of the, have you interviewed her? Yeah, I have. I have, actually. Oh, that's great. I got to listen to that one. Yeah. Um, and then I worked with her on her... Uh, was it Broadway Gives Back, um, Green Alliance? We did a campaign last year for Earth. No, was it last year or this year? God, all the years are running together. Whatever Earth Month was, I guess it was this year, 2023. Um, but yeah, I worked with her intensely for a little while. And just, again, like you say, it's family. It Just nice person, somebody that mm-hmm. your chosen family, somebody that you do want to work with in multiple mm-hmm. ways. Uh, I, I interviewed her for Almost Famous... And then a few weeks later, found out we were going to work together for this, um, for her Broadway Green Alliance stuff. Yeah. And, and it was just, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to work with her. And anyway, yeah. I can't say enough good things. No, she's, she's one of, you know, she's one of those people that like was taught the rules young and, and then she just 
kept it up. Like she, the first day of rehearsal, when I was 17, I think she asked to go to lunch with me on either that first or second day. It was just great. It was like, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm 17 years old and I'm across the table from a, a Tony nominee and she's, she's kind of giving me the lay of the land. She's like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to do this or this and this and you have to stand up for yourself and also just, you know, come in, do your work, do this and blah, blah, blah. It was really great. And she's, she, along with a lot of other, of those people in that, that company just, kind of raised me which and it's not to say that it's not to say that i i didn't come in and 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 you know uh crap the bed a couple times um <laughs> i appreciate you know your 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 kindness of, of saying that you know that it's necessary to be a good person and hopefully people want to work with me i i i hope so but you know there's a there's a couple times when i i i wasn't able to be that best self but i was i was i was 17 i was still learning and uh and i appreciate that that whole um gang for for kind of sticking with me through that as opposed to roger bart who just called me up and was like nope that guy's a that guy's a jerk don't work with him <laughs> don't listen to anything uh, he says oh man um well uh, ditto roger <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be right back Man, I can't wait to talk about Back to the Future, but I want to continue on Almost Famous for a second because that that had a, a shorter life, I think, than a lot of people have expected on Broadway. Yeah. And yeah. as a Broadway debut where you're in like the lead, was it tough for you? Was that because I feel like having your first show, a major Broadway show close and I've n never had, I will say, the fortune of having this experience of being on Broadway and then having a show close. Because I think that is a fortune experience that most people will never have. Was that at 17? I, were you 17 when it closed too? You said you were 17 when we started rehearsals. But I guess like 17, 18 or whatnot. But like... I was I was 17 when I did it in San Diego. Yeah. Um, in 2019. And then um, we were supposed to go to Broadway the next year. Yes. And the pandemic, obviously. Right, right. Um, so you're still like in your you know, 1920, right? But yeah, like, I, I just turned 21. When yeah, it closed. Yeah. So, right, because that God, that was just last season. Yeah. Um, I know. Knowing, I, I guess, is it hard to not take that personally? Because it, uh, at the end of the day, it is a business, and yeah. it's coming out of a pandemic, which I yeah. attribute to a lot of the shows back then closing too early. You have limited runs that still closed early just because people were afraid to literally sit in a crowd of people. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you really phrased it super well, man. I mean, it, you know, the whole process was really personal for me. I mean, it was just like, first of all, the, the story is about a young kid, not even 18 yet, leaves his senior year of high school to go on the road and basically live his dream with his personal rock stars. So what I was doing <laughs> was leaving my senior year Going and living my dream on the road with my personal rock stars, I wasn't 18 yet. So already I was set up for emotional disaster. <laughs> and then it just got it just got even deeper past that because then the pandemic hit and then all of us became just like familial at that point. It, it was such a long road. And I even came in kind of late into the game to get it to Broadway. I did all the workshops past 2019 and um and and yeah they I mean I'm not gonna lie they were they were prepared for this thing to rock I mean it rocked the, the um west coast it broke records it got rave reviews and um 
I just, I, I think it was just a shock to everyone's system. Um, and uh, the most personal part about it for me was um, the reviews because it was, first of all, shocking. And second of all, they were very kind to me, which I, for a little bit, wore a little bit as a badge of honor. And I was like, oh, they, they really liked me. And then after a while, it became this thing for me where I was like, it felt way bigger than me. It was like the weight of this show was like sitting on like someone's shoulders that was not equipped. You know, I mean, so it was, and it's, uh, it doesn't even matter because it's like, at the end of the day, I liked the show and a lot of people did like the show. So it doesn't, it, I, I shouldn't have focused so much on the things that they liked or didn't like in the reviews, but because they liked me, if I was like ill one day and I couldn't be in the show, you know, my mind would just run rampant of like, oh my God, like they, I hope they, they still like the show. Like I, in, in my understudies were fantastic. So it was a ridiculous thing to think about, but it was just like, it, it was very personal doing the show. Like it was like every night I was letting people in to like my, basically my last three years of existence hmm. um, from my adolescence onto being 21 years old. So, but what was not personal about it was when we announced we were closing, which was very weird because I got the call and I, after it was, after I hung up, I was like, oh, this was always possible. And we just never considered it. Like it was always possible that the show just wasn't going to do well. Right. And no one, everyone had prepared me everything about that Broadway experience except for that. And I was like, as soon as I announced it, I was like, oh, it weirdly gave me this little catharsis of like, it's not as personal as you think it is. It's really just a business. I know the show is about you. You think that, <laughs> but it's really not. And it's literally the same show if you're in it or you're not in it. And it's, it, it it people are gonna get another job after this and 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 weirdly it kind of was a little bit more relieving knowing that it wasn't something i did what you know i don't i, I hope that all makes sense it does and it, it's surprising to me that it kind of had the opposite effect on you that yeah that because well thinking whether misguided or not that you were carrying the show and and a lead does to a certain extent anyway that when it was closing, it made you, it made it less personal. That's really interesting. I'm gonna yeah. I'm, gonna think I'm about glad this. you asked about it because I don't think I've ever actually talked about it on on any forum. But uh, yeah, it's it it was kind of a very interesting experience. Like I I I don't know how to explain it other than how I just did. Well, thank you. I think it's it's really interesting. I'm uh, okay. <laughs> so and I will say. I, I did see the show. I did. I, I went and saw it because once we announced we were closing, I was like, screw it, man. I've, I've done this for, for three, uh, three years. I'm, I'm calling out of a show. And, and I went and uh, I saw it with um, both my understudies because I, I called out twice. Um, I got to see Andrew, who was fantastic, and Daniel was fantastic as well. And that, when I was watching the show, I just, it gave me so much relief and I, I was like damn i wish i had done this like earlier i wish i was able to like see the show from the outside and be able to be like okay my opinions on the show are enough 
and it doesn't really matter. But it was it was weirdly that opposite effect where like when it was successful and when moments of the show were pointed out as successful, I took it more personally than when like it just was taken away from me. Hmm. Because one's a, one's an opinion, one's an opinion on me and then one's a business decision. Yeah. Well, you're batting a thousand for being in Broadway shows that are movie and musical adaptations. Yes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you do a great job. Even the ones that haven't made it to Broadway yet, I still am batting a thousand because I still only do adaptations. So. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So Back to the Future is a property, and it, it is, it's, it's a property. It's a, it's a legacy. And I, I wonder, I wonder if this is going to be one of those things, you know, like 20 years from now, like, like Wicked, right? Or Hamilton or whatever, where it's going to be so popular and run in so many places and be around for so long that the originals are going to be remembered forever, like you and Roger. And then everybody else who, who falls in behind is going to be part of this legacy and this brotherhood. Because you talk about, like, I just interviewed Katie Rose Clark for, um, for Merrily, and she holds the record for the, for playing Glinda the longest on Broadway. And we talked about the sisterhood and the, and the, the family that becomes of just sharing the stress of that role, right? Yeah. And the pressure of yeah. it. So yeah. Back to the Future being such an iconic property that so many people of now Broadway ticket buying age want to have presented to them in a certain way. Is that the same kind of pressure? No pressure at all? Different kind of pressure? Because you're stepping into something that everybody thinks they already know. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely a lot of pressure. I mean, that's like, that's the basis. But it's it's also, I felt more internal pressure about like the most bizarre things where it was like, when I got the job, it was less about like, how do I come up to Michael J. Fox? And it was more about like, how am I going to do this job again? Like, I was just, <laughs> I had called me three days or four days before almost famous had closed and that was just like as we just spoke about like just so much of me in that and i just i i was struggling with some health things at the time and i i just didn't know i was like when i got it, it the pressure was really on about like are you ready to get back on the horse like immediately and do and do the not leaving the stage thing for two and a half hours again and, you know, sing at the top of your range and get emotional and not get emotional and be funny and, you know, turn that on every day. Are you are you, are you ready to do that? And it's like, of course, I, I would love to. I mean, it's been my dream my whole life. But then there's, you know, there's sometimes your body and your mind is is, is telling you, you know, you can't do things. And uh, it was it took a lot of a talk to um, my family and and doctors and a million of other people. And, and I, I finally just you know, pulled the trigger and, and decided I was, I was like, I'm going to meet it there. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Um, so it just took months and months of training and, and getting ready to hop back on the horse again. But the pressure for the Michael J. Fox thing of, of, of it being this huge property didn't really come until, honestly, until we started, until I started seeing people at the door, the stage door, all of that. It was just huge. And that kind of, it, it blew me away. There was also this comment of this kid on Facebook that said, when is Casey Likes leaving so I can be Marty McFly on Broadway? And I think <laughs> he, he was a sweet kid. I think he said in his bio, he was on the spectrum. And, you know, I, I just, I, I read that 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 um, comment and I just, I was like, wow, this actually, this is, 
this is bigger than anything I've experienced before because Almost Famous is, is has a following, but this is one of, you know, maybe the third biggest movie of all time behind maybe like Star Wars and Jurassic Park. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's international. And that's what's I think really it's kind of what Broadway really needs right now. It's talking about this with a friend of mine the other day is is that, you know, obviously not an original story, uh, but maybe not even original concept. I don't know how often time travel with technology is done on stage, but the fact that it's coming in such a grand, uh, perfect fashion with a story that and music that everyone everywhere can can recognize and identify with uh, is is something that we need kind of to pull the industry or keep the industry out of the rut that it's always threatening to fall back into that I think like we were talking about almost famous, I think was a victim of that, you know, COVID's always out there. Now it's going to be as prevalent as the flu, I think. Right. It's just every, every, there's always going to be people that, that get sick from it. And so now we just got to get used to it. And I think we need more of the back to the futures and we need um, this sort of big budget, big story, big action, um, yeah, this big action show to bring bring people back and put butts in seats, especially tourists, right? Because they're the bulk of of the of the ticket buys. I think. I I I agree. I I was just saying recently. I was like, I remember when my mom was telling me about when what was it? I think it was Lion King when Lion King came out and they were doing their out of town tryout and nobody had seen it. So when the animals start coming through the like, you know, the, the, the orchestra and all that, it was just like blew people's minds. I mean, I mean, just like full grown adults just bursting into tears and, and stuff like that. And that happens. Like, it's like, there was a moment at the end of the show um, that, you know, you've seen it and um, I don't want to spoil it, but I get to see people while it's happening. And it's just like full grown adults, just like, beaming or screaming or crying or whatever and it's just like it's so great to be a part of something magical like that especially after you know there's so much criticism last year of so much minimalism happening it's it's nice to be a part of something that's just not and i i don't have any issue with with um minimalism but you know it does seem like there's a little bit of a an appetite for something big and and um very broadway to to get people back in broadway yeah yeah absolutely and I've always been a very vocal fan of, of Anne Juliet for the exact same reason. It's, it's yeah. such an original story and, and people here, I mean, there's all sorts of different kinds of jukebox musicals and we don't need to get into that in this episode, but there's like the jukebox musical that tells the story of the person who wrote the music, AKA mm -hmm. Neil Diamond, beautiful noise. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, and then there's, um, Jagged Little Pill, which uses all of one album, original story and then there's like and juliet which has you know there's so many different types of jukebox musicals yeah. anyway we'll just put that aside different episode back to the future is... i would like to be on that episode oh. by the way okay. I, I love that <laughs> okay we could do a, a jukebox musical discussion roundup maybe that'll be episode 300 yes yeah. <laughs> we'll see i'm in for that okay um so yeah back to the future i when i first heard it was a musical again it's one of those things where i said eyebrow raise um does this need to be a musical and then i saw it and i was like this is why it's a musical it's mm -hmm. it's incredible and then again how are they going to do time travel how are they going to do the delorean how are they how are they how are they and it's sort of the same thing with uh harry potter and the cursed child where you're like 
that needs magic. That needs illusions. That needs all sorts of things. And then, ironically, uh, the same guy did the illusions for both shows. So mm -hmm. there you go. That's how yep. that happened. God, I want to ask so many things about the DeLorean. And I know, tell me as much as you can. I don't want to have spoilers. And I know you can't give away cigarettes. <sighs> Big sigh. But um, I was reading somewhere else, too, that the, the car is actually pretty cramped inside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the things I can tell you is that, uh, maybe a, a little bit of a secret is that um, it is it is smaller. It's a it's two thirds the size of a of a normal car, but on stage it looks like a full size DeLorean. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is it is a little cramped. Uh, there is a there is a specific way to get in and out of it. There is a specific way to sit in it. I will probably be the tallest Marty there will ever be because I don't think you can fit in the car if you're taller than me. How tall are you? Um, I'm. On five nine and a half, I say because oh, I'm six one. People, there goes my chances. People, <laughs> people say that I um I, I don't I don't ever want to get caught lying. I don't want someone to come up with a ruler, so I say five nine and a half. <laughs> um, but people say I should say five ten. I'm like I'm not gonna be caught lying. But yeah, no, it's I'm I, I definitely am the tallest Marty they've had, and I don't think they're gonna go taller than me. Probably um, just can't. You literally can't. You literally, like, they'd have to open that car up, which is no way because it's all filled with gadgets and the most amazing things to make the car do what it does. And it does so much and moves in directions across the stage that I didn't think was possible at that speed with uh, with your standard automation. Do you yeah. do you know if they if they invented any new tech for this or was it like using kind of a combination of other things that already was existed out there? Um, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I know that like there's never been something on stage that's done all the things that this car does. Cause you know, other than moving, it's also got, you know, all the lights and all the smoke and the sounds and all the stuff that, that are within the car. Um, right. I don't, I don't quite know um, the answer to that. When it's on the ground and we'll just leave it there. Leave that at that. So the Back to the Future franchise, the musical, I mean, uh, the movie, did, did you watch it at all when you were a kid? Like being so, so much into musical theater, did you, did it influence you? Like, yeah. like I'm, I am a child of the eighties. So it was one of the things that I look back so fondly that and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were my two trios yeah. of musies, newsies. Back yeah, to the Future yeah. and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were my two trilogies that I still remember so fondly. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was a huge part of my, my. I'm a filmmaker as well, so it was a huge part of my life. Um, and uh, my mom was a child of the 80s as well. And uh, Well, she's a child of technically the 70s, but, but you know, her teenage years, I think her first date was Back to the Future. <laughs> um, and she was... Um, always comparing me to Michael J. Fox growing up. So uh, I watched that movie a lot. And I just love, I love that type of film. I love the Spielberg-y magical films. And uh, Rob Zemeckis is just, you know, he's just, um, he's just amazing at that stuff. He's done it with so many films, Forrest Gump and or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. These are just magical films, just like E.T. is, which is my favorite movie, by the way. To answer your question, long, long, long form. Well, then... When you got the call, you're in the middle of, of closing Almost Famous. You get the call to start. Was it? Did they offer you the role or was it a call to come audition? But then you get the call. And again, did you already know about it and 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 were comfortable with the idea? Or were you like, what the hell? It was Back to the Future of the Musical? Yeah, I, I, I've never followed a, a, 
a show from its conception. Um, but this one, I I did. Um, I heard I heard about it announced in I think 2018, and then I followed the Instagram page pretty shortly after that, probably around 2019. And I always had this kind of thought in the back of my mind. I was like, wouldn't that be so fun to be Marty someday? And I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll go out to London and do it. And I never even considered it would come to Broadway. But and even if it did, at the time that the concept of going to Broadway and being a person to originate a role was just impossible. So I did, I actually, this is one of the only musicals I've ever followed, but it never really was something I considered would actually be um, a possibility. We're going to be right back. When they called, it was actually a very similar story to Michael J. Fox when he was in um, the film. They, They called me to audition in like November and I was pretty set with Almost Famous and I was I was planning on finishing out my contract which would have conflicted with this even at that I wasn't super like keen on like you know jumping even if I could have gotten out which I wouldn't have been able to um yeah I would have you know been doing double duty rehearsing during the day and doing the show at night and if you've seen Almost Famous and Back to the Future there's just no way it's That's just an impossible rough. Yeah, it's an impossible gig. I mean, both of them are, are impossible separately, let alone together. So, um, you need something like a time machine. Yeah, yeah, you hey! need. Hey! You need a time machine and, and a lot of electrolytes. Um, <laughs> I just uh, I I I couldn't do it. Um, and I wrote them a very nice um letter because I was just like, I'm. You guys have inspired me my entire life, and I'm just honored that you would um ask me to audition. So thank you. And then the day after Back to the Future, or Almost Famous said they were going to close, Back to the Future called and said, hey, so remember when you said, and I was like, okay, yes, I'll come in. So I I came in in the middle of a eight show week. I think it was a a couple days after Christmas. And um, and I I did one callback, one callback. I I went back in to meet the music director later because he wasn't at the callback. But uh, it was it was one audition, one callback. It was all the same day. They offered it to me a few days before it show close and and so i was i was i was keen to it i was excited about it i'd seen some clips and i thought what they were doing with it was really smart and it just it was i i a lot of people ask me like why would what why do you do what why do you do these decisions in your career why did you do this why did you do that and i mean frankly man it's just dope like i like it's there's not much else to say other than like back to the future the musical is is dope it's really nice to be able to like be a part of something that's already moving it's nice to be a part of a fan base that's already passionate about it it's nice to be a part of something that's bigger than you and i i wish i had realized that even earlier on almost famous but they're not there they're not there for you they're there for these characters that they really love and they and that's that's relieving it's really nice to know that it's not all on you and it's just like you just come in and give them what they love and they're they're happy was it um uh difficult or or encouraged to to find this balance between the casey and and the the michael j fox because there there's some lines where you like you kind of you know you kind of do the michael j fox thing yeah 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 yeah. and it's very obvious but is the is that intentional or and then like god the way that you that you uh, play with Roger Bart on stage is, 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 is I love I've seen the show twice and both times it just got or the second time it got better and I think you actually cracked you made each other crack one night in one of By the, the one of the things you're doing um, but yeah that that balance was that difficult 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking, man. I mean, I, I come to think of it, I don't think they ever told me to. Um, I think John wrote an email. John Rando, the director, after I got the role, sent me an, an email of just a few things to look like to start working on, and it was like guitar on this song, and then like um, this on this, and he he did say, you know, watch Family Ties and watch like the movie again, just you know, get a um, grip on on Michael and just, you know, remind yourself of a little bit of what he did. But I, I think that was the last time we talked about Michael's performance. And I even asked some at some point in rehearsal, I was like, where on the line of Michael to me, do you want me to sit? And he said, whatever you're doing now, hmm. which is basically what I did in my callback. Um, and I didn't watch the movie before I did my callback. I was just kind of going off of memory. And since then, I've only watched the movie once. And I don't know if I'll watch it again before I'm done with the contract because now I'm kind of in this groove of this kind of uh, middle ground between the two because at the end of the day, like 90% of your audience came for Michael. I mean, you know, like 90% of them came for Michael and then 10% of them don't want you to do Michael at all. So I'm just kind of trying to basically pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and make both of those groups happy. And hopefully it works, but if not, you know, I, I just... I'm trying to do something that's really making me happy because I love Michael's performance in that. And I also know that there's stuff that I just can't do like Michael. So I'm going to do it like me. Like yeah. at the end of the day, the, the prerequisites for what Marty McFly is, is not extremely de deep and, and, and super hard to understand. He's a, he's a, a rebel kid. He doesn't understand his family. Um, he's an artist and he, loves his girlfriend a lot, and um, he has a really deep connection with uh, his best friend, who's Doc Brown. Those are the things you have to remember. And um, as long as you, you sit in those uh, parameters, it doesn't really matter how much Michael you put into it. Just for me personally, I like to remind people of Michael in certain moments. I think it's brilliant. It's it's just the right amount because I think it would be a trope that would get over uh, get uh, irritating um, if every line kind of sounded exactly like him. But yeah. like because you have to make it your own, otherwise, like you're not being you. When so, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be an impersonation, and at that yeah. point, you know, then it's then it really is a theme park show, which it, <laughs> all, you know, it's already a, a ride of a show. But it's like you know, at that point, it's just like. You know, and that's no hate to theme park shows because my mom did theme park shows too, and I will probably also do a theme park show. But uh, but that that's not what this is. You know, Broadway wants to have something expanded and different, and um, and worth the price of admission. So I'm trying to give yeah. you some. Oh well, great job. All right, so um, we're gonna end up. We're gonna end here with a little bit of Back to the Future movie trivia. See, see if. Uh, oh, let's go. See if you know these these uh, fun questions. Okay, first question. There's five of them. This one's pretty much a give me, a gimme, but what year was the original movie released? Uh, 1985. Correct. What was Marty McFly's original last name in one of the first drafts of the script? Wow. Wow. I don't think I know this. This is good. Marty McDermott. What? Yep. McDermott. I'm I'm good with what they landed with. Yep, me too. Uh, okay, Back to the Future was almost not the name of the movie. What did the producers? What did yeah? What did uh, the producers want it to be called? Uh, Spaceman from Pluto. Yes, you're the only one to get that so far. Yes, I, <laughs> I I love that stuff. I think that is so funny. Spaceman from Pluto. Okay, 
Question four, how many times was Back to the Future the script rejected by studios? I'm not sure if I know the actual number, but I know like pretty much everyone turned them down. Yeah, Disney. so let's go, uh, let's go Price is Right. Uh, highest guess without going over. 10. 44. Oh my God. Wow. 40 freaking four. All right, and I bet you'll get this last one too. In the first act scene where Marty's band, the Pinheads, is auditioning for the High School Battle of the Bands contest, who plays the school teacher who cuts the band short, announcing, hold it, fellas, you're, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Huey Lewis. That's right, Huey Lewis. Fun fact, he gave me um, a, a note on Power of Love about the timing <gasps> of it after he saw me opening night. No kidding, what did he say? He was just like, you know, uh, it was just mostly rhythmic stuff about like, after you sing part of the chorus, you when you hit that, or uh, the, the second verse, he, that power of love will keep you home at night. He really wanted that to hit fast and not like backphrased at all. Interesting. Oh, so, yeah. he, so he gave you the note because that's how you were doing it. He was like, no, that's not how you do it, kid. Yeah. And it was, and he felt really nervous to give it to me. He was like, he was like, should I, I, and, and it was through the, it was through the music director. He never gave it to me personally, but he was like, I, I feel really nervous to give this because I feel really bad. And I was like, please and thank you. Give me a note. It's your song. I want to do him happy. And then he came back uh, a couple weeks later and he said, you took the note and he just, and he was so happy. Yeah. Oh, uh, and there was something else too that I was reading that that um, they had the the original team had Michael J. Fox take guitar lessons because they wanted they wanted the uh, when he played to actually look real and yeah. it, and it just occurred to me as I was reading this which was not more than a couple weeks ago that as a kid I always believed he was playing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I wonder. I, I bet there's some YouTube videos like playing what he's actually playing, like. <laughs> Doing how close he is but he did get really close like watching it back I've, I've now learned the song um for myself and and uh he he there are moments where he's he's really actually doing it so yeah yeah have you seen uh on on instagram there's a social media account that does like famous dances but without any of the music and it's just the sound effects so like one of the one of the recent ones I oh saw, yeah yeah, 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 it was yeah like yeah. it was like mick jacker mick jagger dancing without any music she's like yeah, and then the students squeaking on the floor. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what I imagine one of those videos would be about. Michael J. Fox playing the car like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the beginning was great. He's he's definitely playing the beginning, and I. But I mean, frankly, dog, I I don't even know the solo very well. So it's I. He's he's probably doing better than me on the solo. <laughs> Well, I, I think it looks pretty real. Um, I was actually going to ask you if you played guitar for real, but it sounds like you had to learn for this. Oh, no, I've known. I, I've known since I was eight. Oh, really? Really? So you're, uh, yeah. yeah, so you're, I guess you can play Power of Love? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, it was, it's not, well, it's not Power of Love, right? It's, um, uh, uh, Johnny Be Good. Johnny Be Good, yeah. Yeah, I can play Johnny Be Good as well, but I, I learned Power of Love because I do it in the audition a little right. bit. Right. Right. Um, oh, that's cool. Power of Love is easy. Johnny Be Good is easy up until a point, and then uh, then it just goes crazy. But I, I've, I'm doing as much of it uh, as I can because I'm not gonna disappoint my other guitar people. <laughs> do they do they have you? Do they have the, the guitar plugged in? Like you're actually playing over the speaker, or it's just you're playing, playing, but we don't hear it. I'm I'm I know I'm playing. I've I've practiced it at home. I don't know how much of it is me and how much of it is our guy downstairs Aurelian but I I know I learned it like is it it's connected to the sound system fully tuned like it's it's set at a real guitar I I know it's plugged in 
I don't know. I don't know what it's plugged into. <laughs> it's, it's plugged into like a speaker in the alley. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Walks yeah. by like the hell is that? Wow, that sounds horrible. That's a horrible rendition of Johnny Be Good. What the hell is? <laughs> but no, but yeah, yeah. Credit credit to uh, Aurelian. Um, he's he's amazing. He's oh, a great guitarist. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I that was one of the things that. Um, that like one of the full body experiences of the show is like when you, you hit that the downbeat of the overture of just like yeah again it's these iconic songs that you just grew you grew up with so many people yeah. just know because they permeated every corner of the earth you know yeah yeah it's yeah. great all right yeah, so now right. we'll wrap up with the three standard closing questions that I ask everybody across my now almost. 300 episodes the first one is thank you the first one very simply is just what motivates you mm, um it's really uh i think it's it's always the people who i have made me you know it's always the people who made me i think just like did the people my family the people who um i did theater with growing up i'm just always trying to make them proud and 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 i'm so excited to always share stuff with them what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Uh, to never stop working on your craft because once you think that you are um, the cat's meow, you probably aren't. So not, not, to, not to not have confidence about yourself, but I mean, I still take voice lessons all the time. I still need to improve my dancing and there's always stuff to work on. I, yeah, it, it keeps you humble and it keeps you good. Well, and now I want to challenge you to learn the... Uh... To learn and play without anybody covering you, the full Johnny Be Good, including the solo. I, I'm I'm dead serious. I actually I I'm I'm close, and I'm pretty sure that like by the end of this, I I will be able to have it all down. Because every <laughs> night, it actually is a goal to me to like literally get every single note. That's cool. I mean, yeah. good on you for for not trying to fake it. I think that's pretty great. No, no, I know. I I mean. They'll come for me in the in the comments and the reviews too if I didn't. <laughs> like all he's doing is strumming, but it's a guitar solo that makes no sense. I went a review one one review one day, not not about me, but they were like, "Aren't we past the day and age where um where people have to fake instruments on Broadway?" And I think the guy was playing like twenty instruments in the show. I was like, "Oh my gosh, give him a break!" <laughs> Jesus Christ. But no, I I mean I've I've learned it, man. I I if 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 he can do 20 million instruments, I can at least do the guitar. There you go. All right, last question. This is the hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Lemmis. There you go. Period end of subject. It's it it's it never gets old. It's the greatest show of all time. <laughs> all right, where can we find you online on the social media games? At just Casey likes everywhere on all the things um and i'm sure i'm gonna have to get more into tiktok because we have tiktokers in our cast oh yeah yeah i mean it it brought beetlejuice back from the dead you can yep. uh you got to find some way of like duetting with with uh with the tiktokers yeah that, that, that'll be good that'll be fun um yeah i'm on threads instagram and tiktok and facebook uh theater underscore podcast is my name there leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now and the most thanks of all goes to casey likes who has given us the greatest conversation i've had all week thank you sir thank you alan thanks for everything you do this is so great awesome
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.